Okay, Daf Yud Aleph from the bottom of Yud Amud Beis. Tomorrow's Darshim is the Pasuk of Vamesi Eloi, and Tav Tav Rav Yehuda. With three different Sukkim to teach me that what we normally would say that in the top of Menuvela that the Mazik does not have to pay the full the full value of the damage that was the animal that was damaged, or if he, if he did it or if his animal did it. Either way, he only has to pay up to the value of the carcass. So if the carcass is still worth a hundred out of a thousand, he only has to pay the nine hundred. The Gemara said that's a Dover Pashit. There's no question about that because we know Shavakesef He can pay back his a thousand, assuming he even owed a thousand, he could definitely pay it back with dead with meat and even trafe meat, as long as that has some value, he can do that. So that would be no Kiddish. Rather the Kiddish is something called Pchat Nevela, which means if the value of the carcass went down between the time that the animal was damaged, died, and between they got to Bezdin, so who pays the difference? Meaning the question really is, do we say that you look at the value of it at the time of the Hezek, and it's basically as if the Mazik only damaged up to that amount, and whatever it's worth at the time of the death of the animal, the rest of that is just, that's Shaykh to the Nizik, and I don't have to pay the difference. Would you say, no, that the Mazik is using the animal as like repayment, basically, and therefore when he goes to repay, it's how much it's worth when he repays. So the Gemara said, we learn out from that Pesach of Pachas Nevelo, that Pachas Nevelo is going to be to the Nizik, that it's up to that you focus on how much it's worth at the time of the death, and usually that's going to be a higher amount. Obviously, it's going to deteriorate over time, and that's the mazik only has to pay that difference between the original value and the value at the actual moment of death. Now, the mafarshim says it doesn't mean the actual moment; it could be when the nizik finds out about it, right? It's not lavd after that moment. If the nizik doesn't know that the animal is dead, so then you can't really hold him responsible. That's debatable exactly what that moment is, but there is some moment to that. It says the gemara though on the bottom line of yudam abayis this is actually everybody agrees you could pay with the dead animal or you only you subtract the question is that difference between the, how much it's worth at the time of Misa and how much it's going to be worth when you get to Bez this is by the Pasuk by Hashemer if the animal was killed so that he's trying to watch so you view eight so Pashup Shetah means, as we read the Pasuk, you view Adim Shinachapter. So if the Shimer could bring Adim that it, it, what happened to the animal was not his fault, it was an earnest, then he's going to be putter, which is Pashup Shah in the Pasuk, and nobody argues with that Allah. That's clear. Abashol Aimer says, Abashol says that Allah is so Pashit that there must be something else the Pasuk is teaching me. Rather, what does the Pasuk teach me? Yaviu Aduda Lebezdin. Aid over there is a play on words. It doesn't mean aid like a witness. It means Aduda, which is a word that means the Nevela. You bring the Nevela to Bezdin. Why are you bringing it to Bezdin? So Abashol holds Bidemazik Shaminan. That the Pachas Nevela goes to, meaning it's a Nizik responsibility, but meaning the Mazik can bring the carcass to Bezdin. Bezdin evaluates not what it's worth now. Because that's Pashit. Bezdin evaluates what it was worth then at the shas of the Misa of the animal, and the Mazik only has to pay that difference. So if the Tanakhama does not darshan this Pasuk this way, it's mashma that they're arguing on this point. My lab, but Kimifri. Marsar Pachas Nevela de Nizik, for Marsar Pachas de Mazik. So Abishol says the Kiddush of the Pasuk is that it's the Nizik's responsibility, this extra loss of value after the death. And the Tanakhama says, no, it's the Mazik's responsibility. The Mazik wants to pay back what a dead animal he could, but you look at it at the Shas of payment, not at the Shas of Misa. So we have a Machlaikis at this point. It's my love, Dafka. Look. Kuliyama the Nizik. Maybe everybody holds like we said that we already learned out that Pachas Nevela is the Nizik's responsibility, not the Master's responsibility. Over here, the question is something else. Over here, the question is who has to pay to get the dead carcass out of the bottom of the bar? Right? There's an expense involved. They got to hire a you know a tow truck or whatever it is to schlep it up. 
So, uh, and therefore, that's what he says. But he says, Yavi Aduda Lebezdin, Abba meant it's on the Mazak's responsibility to make sure that it gets delivered to the Bezdin so he can bring it to the Nizik. So it's the Mazak's responsibility, and that's the Kiddush. You could have said, well, who owns this dead carcass? The Nizik. So it's the Nizik's problem. Kamashman Abba the Pasuk no, it's the Mazak's problem. Yavi Aduda, the Kiddush is not the carcass, the Kiddush is the Yavi. That's his responsibility to bring it. Vatanya, we talk see that in a brisa. How do you know it's the mazik who owns the bar, who dug the bar? That's his responsibility to bring it up and pay for that. Tamalemer kesef yoshev lebalav vehamais. So we actually apply on words. It says balabar yishalim. Normally we read it then kesef yoshev lebalav. You should return the money to its owner. Vamaisi aloy. And then we said who owns the mace? He puts the comma on the other word. Kesef yoshev lebalav vehamais. You have to bring the money to the Bailam, and you have to bring the mace to the Bailam. So that's why his mom is darshaning it, that it's on the mazik to pay to get it. Now, obviously, if the mazik refuses to do it, it's going to be losing value. So Mepharshim say, of course, the nizik should hire a tow truck, and he'll just get the money back from the mazik later. You can't just sit around and wait as it deteriorates in value. So get it done, but the cost of that is going to be picked up by the mazik. Amalei Abayi Lerav, Abayi says to Rav, wait a second. What, what exactly is the case? Meaning, he says, there should be a difference in value of the carcass where it's located. Now, theoretically, you could say that in the bottom of the bar, if you try to go to the market and you say, I'd like to sell a dead carcass of an animal, no problem, where is it? Oh, it's at the bottom of a bar. Okay, well, it's, I'm only going to pay a Zeus. Okay. But if I actually schlep it up and it's on top of the uh, outside the bar, now, now I try to sell it, Obviously, I can I can get more money. It's going to be worth four now. So kitarach, but the nafshikatarach. So what do you mean? It's a chiddush that the mazik has to pay to take it out. Of course, the mazik has to pay to take it out. The mazik's trying to use it to, as repayment. So of course, if in the bottom of the bar it's worth one, and at the top of the bar it's worth four, then of course the mazik's going to want to pay to take it out because it's going to be worth more when he uses it as repayment. So what's the chiddush of that? Because says then it doesn't. No, if it costs five to take it out, then don't take it out. You know, there's no halacha that says you have to take it out. The halacha says if you want to use it as payment, you have to take it out. Obviously, if it's going to cost more to take it out than it's worth, then it's a total loss, and forget about it, and then just pay cash. Okay? But once there's halacha that says you have to take it out, the it's a never push it. You don't need a pasuk to teach me this. There could be a case. There's such a thing that's so cheap, so worthless, that it doesn't even change the value where it's located, whether it's in the bar or out of the bar. So, there's such a thing. Yeah, I guess you have to know economics, but there is such a thing. Whether you're out of the city or whether you're in the city, this particular piece of wood, it sounds like it's cheap, it's going to be worth the same thing. Or maybe it's very expensive. Expensive, and it's going to be the same thing. But some things are not necessarily affected by the fact that you have to schlep them. So there could be such a thing that the value of the carcass is exactly the same, whether it's in the bottom of the bar or on the top of the bar. But Lamaisa, the Pasuk says, according to Abishol, that you're going to have to, the Mazik is responsible financially to make sure it gets taken out of the bar, even though it's worth the same amount either way. So we're coming out now that everybody would hold the Nizik Shamina and Pchastavela. Now, Pchastavela is going to be the Nizik's responsibility. Amar Shmuel. So Shmuel says about this whole point. Ein shaman learned the Ganav and the Gazan. Shmuel says the Chiddush. Shmuel says that which we said, you can pay Kesef, you can pay Meitav, with Shavik Kesef ke Kesef. He said there's an exception. That's by Hezek. By Hezek, the Torah says you can pay Shavik Kesef ke Kesef. We talked about when you pay Shavik Kesef, is that the Chatchilo, but the you can pay it. So when you're a Ganif, the Pasik says, Veheshev is Exela Shagoza. 
That pasuk, what does that mean? A share gozal. A share gozal teaches me you can't just give the person something that is not the equivalent of what you stole from him. So, if you stole an object, you stole a cup, you 100% you have to return the cup. That's no question. Let's say that you steal the cup and the cup breaks by the Ganev's house. Now what does the Ganev have to pay? So he could pay Meitav, he could pay Fields, he could pay Kesef, that's no problem at all. And he could pay Shavik Kesef, meaning if he wants to go out to Shmuel and buy a new cup and bring the cup back, that's Shavik Kesef, it's not Meitav, it's not Kesef, but that's okay. But to give Subin, like we just said, a dead animal carcass, and now the person who was stolen from the victim has to go sell that and get cash and go buy a cup, that you can't do. Asher Gazal says you cannot make him a two-step process. You want to give him cash? Cash. You want to give him an equivalent cup? That's fine. But to make him go ahead and sell and do that, that you don't do. So it says Shmuel, Ein Shaman. You don't evaluate if you stole something and it broke. You don't evaluate the pieces and how much they're worth. special That was what Shmuel said the halacha normally was. Shmuel says, even though that seems to be what people do, I hold also af also by a someone who borrows something. Now what does that mean? The Abba Maidli, and Abba normally means Rav, so he's Maidli to me. So, by the way, what did Shmuel mean by the Shoel, by a borrower? Hachikamar, did he mean Afla Shoel Shaman, that a Shoel is like a, a Mazik, and therefore, if you borrow something and it gets ruined by you and you want to pay back, you only have to, you can give the dead animal carcass back as part of the payment for a Shoel, the Abba Maidli, and Rav is Maidli. Or Shmuel meant the opposite. Hachikamar, Vaniyam Afla Shoel has a din like a Ganif and Ein Shaman, because when you borrow something, and you're going to borrow it to use it, then it's ke'ilu at that moment it becomes yours. And now I have to give you back something. It's more of Teres Ganif than Teres Hezek. And therefore, at that point, it becomes mine. It's like a ke'ilu I stole. Obviously, I stole over permission. And therefore, just like a Ganif, we say I can't just give back junk. has to give back something of either equivalent value or the cash. Also, says Shmuel, a shayel would have the same halacha. So, how do we look at this? Which was Shmuel saying a shayel is like Hezek or a shayel like Ganif? Tashma, who gave the shell Narga Bichavri borrowed some sort of tool, something like an axe from his friend. Tavra, when he borrowed it, it broke. So also came the Rav. They went to Rav's bezdin. Amalei, Rav said, "Zil shell the Nagra Mealia." You have to give him back a new axe. You have to, and you cannot give him back the broken pieces. So Shmamin ain't Shaman. You see, you don't evaluate how much the broken pieces are worth. A shell is like a gun. If you have to give him back a brand new axe, so they went no. Adrabba, because you missed the end of the story. You always have to read the story to the end. I mean, the Amalei Rav Kahana Rav Asi the Rav. When Rav Paskin like this, Rav Kahana Rav Asi were in the Bezdin, and they said to Rav Dina Hachi, "Is that the halacha? Lachari, he should be able to pay back with the broken pieces, and of course, pay the difference." The Shosek and Rav was quiet. So Shmamin Hashemin. Now it's not a hundred percent clear, but always when when Rav doesn't respond, we never know if Rav is agreeing or Rav is ignoring. Right, but it seems from this Gemara we're, th- we're assuming that Rav is ignore is not ignoring, he's agreeing, and therefore he's saying that a shoyel has a din like a mazik, just like a mazik can pay back any broken pieces he wants, plus the cash. Here also a shoyel can pay back the broken pieces with the cash. And the Gemara seems to be saying Shmuel Shaman that not like Shmuel, not like a Dapshat and Shmuel, but rather Shmuel saying a shoyel has a din like a mazik. Itmar, Amar Ula Amar Shaman Laganif Ilagazlin. So you do, are a Ganif is allowed to pay back with anything he wants, not like what Shmuel said, that you could pay even by a Ganif and a Gazlin, you could pay back anything you want. Or if Papi Amar ain't Shaman, because of Asher Gazal, like Shmuel said, the Hilkos said, ain't Shaman Loy Laganif Ilagazlin. A Ganif Gazlin, like Shmuel said, they cannot give junk. They have to give you their cash or an equivalent object. But a shoyel has a deal like a mazik that he can pay back any sum he wants. Very good. 
Now that we mentioned this halacha over here of Shaman Laganif and Gazan, Bashem Ula Amar Abelazar, the Gemara sometimes does this. It goes now on a tangent, traveling through Shas, finding all the Mamarim that we can find from Ula Amar Abelazar. Now, not all the times the Gemara does this in Agarita, here it's not Agarita, here it's Halacha. So we're going to go through many, many different Halachas that Ula said Bashem Abelazar just to bring them all. I guess there weren't that many of them, so the Gemara brings them here in one big shot. Remember Ula Abelazar. Shilya Shiyatsa Miktasa. So if you have a Shilya, which is a, like a, a sack from the woman when she's giving birth. So if you have a sack, so in that sack is a Vlad. Now if the woman is miscarrying, and it's going to be early on in the, uh, in the pregnancy. So if you look at that, uh, that sack that comes out, you don't see a Vlad in there or anything that looks noticeable that it's a Vlad. Okay. So the question is, is that sack come out and there's actually a Vlad in there? In which case, what's happening over here is a Maisa with all its ramifications for Tum of Atira. Would you say, no, it's just a sack of dam, and therefore it's not a Leda at all? And she's made, if there's dam there, she's maybe a nida. If there's no dam at all, she's not even a nida. She just had some sort of expulsion from the body, but it doesn't count at all. So says, He says, if you have a shilya, that she started giving birth to it right before shkia, on Sunday night. So part of it came out before shkia, and the rest of it came out on the second day. Okay, so now we have two questions. A, did she give birth at all? And if she did give birth, if this was a Leda, which day did it happen on? And it happens on the day when Roiv of the Vlad comes out. Okay? So now if she gave birth on, on Yom Rishad, then she obviously would be Tame from Yom Rishad. And if we're hold us like a girl, a Chumrah like a girl, then she'd be Tame Ki'ilu for the next 14 days, and then the Yom Tyra, etc. Or if it didn't start on Yom Rishad, it would start on Yom Sheni. So says, says Ula Amulazar, you count it from the first day. You count it from Sunday. That Sunday is considered the Yom Leda. You think you're being machner by saying she has to start from the first day? That's a chumr dasi dekulu to come atayus to Because after those 14 days, she has you made tyra. She has, in this case, you don't know if it's a boy or a girl, so you would give her the tire of a boy, 33 days. Fine, but she has you made, you'd have to take her less than 33 days because you minus from the 7 or the 14. But, you give her 20-something days of Tyra, but if you're going to start that from Yom Rishon, those days of Tyra are going to start two weeks from now, Yom Rishon. As opposed to if you start Yom Shady, you would start, and that's, so the question is that last day. The Chari, that last day, being Mekil. So, El Amarava, you're right. Lochush Chosheshes. Minyana le minyana le Shady. We're machmir that she's Tameh already from Sunday, and anything she touches Sunday is Tameh. But in terms of her, you made Tumah Vitaira, we actually, the Chumrah start from Monday. What is the Chiddush over here? My Kamashmaran, the Ein Mektas Shilya B'loi Vlad, the Chiddush is, is that every part of a Shilya, the Shilya has a Vlad in it, and we assume that when the Vlad dissolved, it dissolved evenly throughout the entire Shilya. And therefore, when part of it came out on Yom Rishon, there was definitely some Shilya in there. Now, was it Raif? We don't know. That's a suffix ready. Maybe it was Raif, maybe it wasn't Raif. But at least there's some in there, and therefore we're going to be Machmir, and assume that maybe there was Raif, maybe, and therefore she's going to be Machmir, and counted from Sunday. So that's a nice Chiddush, but Tanina, we already know that. Where do we know it from? We know it from the Lach of Ben Pakua. The Lach of Ben Pakua isn't the same thing a Lach of by an animal. By an animal, if you shech the mother and you find the Vlad inside of it, the Vlad is kosher to eat. If the Vlad, without shechting it at all, even if the Vlad's alive. If the Vlad had stuck its arm out of the mother before you shechted it, so then maybe you have to cut that arm off, but the Vlad you could eat. If Rave of the animal came out, gave birth, 
before you shechted the mother, then already the vlad is considered a separate animal, and the shechita does not work. Okay. So what about the shulia? So shulia shots of mitzasa. So for shulia, that part of it came out. So the question is, can you eat this shulia or not? I don't know why you. But if you want to eat shulia, you could. So asuru bachila. It's also, even though only part of it came out, simon vlad biisha, simon vlad beima. Just like a shulia is a simon that there's a vlad that he was born by an isha, the same equivalent is by beima. So what do we see? We see that again, ain mitzas shulia belay vlad, and therefore we don't know if roiv was born or not. But we know something was born, part of it, and therefore we're going to be machmer and assume that the, that, that, that maybe it was right, and therefore you cannot eat the shoya, and you can't do a shkita on anymore, so it would just be trafe and you throw it away. So we already see this halacha of ein miktsah shilya below vlad. So what is Ulam Rablazer adding? So no, even if we just had this halacha ben pekua, have a minute yesh miktsah shilya below vlad, maybe really there it could be, v'gzer miktsah pekula. But the reason we're machmir over here is because if we say when a little bit of the vlad of the behemoth comes out, it's okay, then you might think when all of it comes out, it's also okay, and you'd get confused. But really, maybe, really, really, a little bit doesn't really count. Now, by an Isha, Rashi explains, we wouldn't have that issue. Because we're definitely saying when she gave birth to the shulia, she's tummy. She's either tummy from Sunday or she's tummy from Monday. So you clearly see from the psako halacha that the shulia had a vlad. Our only question is, when did Ravavit come out? And that we only learn from Ra'ula and Rabbalazar. But from the case of the Behemoth, you wouldn't necessarily see that there's a Shilya there at all. And therefore, that's what Ula and Rabbalazar was adding onto this halacha. Another halacha. Yamar Ula and Rabbalazar. Bechard Shanitraf. So we know there's a halacha called Pijin Abed. Pijin Abed says that if you have a baby that was born and it survives the first 30 days, then we know it's not a Nafel. And once we know it's not a Nafel, now we have a mitzvah called Pijin Abed. Father has to be played at the bed, give the money to the kite. If Nebuch, the baby, dies of natural causes within 30 days, then we assume the baby was always a nafel. If the baby was a nafel, it was not considered a viable vlad, and there is no mitzvah of pigeon abed. What if the baby dies of unnatural causes? Something happens. Accident, something, whatever happens, something unnatural happens, and Nebuch, the baby, dies before the 30 days. Do we do a pigeon abed in that case or not? So it says the Rula Ambalazar, Nitraf means died of unnatural causes. The animal killed it or something. You do not have to do a pigeon. Abed. If it, we did not prove that it was not a nafel, then we always assume it was a nafel, and you don't have to do pigeon. Abed. You would have thought it says, the Pasuk says, So that sounds like you should always do pigeon. The Pesach says, Ach, Ach, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Even if it died of unnatural causes, says the Gemara, according to this halacha, we love talking with Pascha like this, but according to this halacha, that you do not do Pijin Aben if the baby does not survive till 30 days, no matter for whatever reason. Another halacha. Behemagasa. How do you do a Kenyan? This is where we had in Kedushan. How do we do a Kenyan on a Behemagasa, on a cow or a bull? So he says, Niktis Mashicha. Mashicha means you have to pull it, right? You have to pull the animal, you have to make it walk a certain amount. The Mishnah over there said you do it bin Mesira. You have to hand over the reins from the original owner to the new owner. The truth is it's a machlaikas. The sign of Chamer Mzumazuba Mashicha. So you see at least somebody argues on that Mishnah that says Mesira. Sometimes I hold Mashicha. Shimon Mzumazuba Akba. You have to actually lift it up. We discussed over there how you get an animal to lift up. You have to make it walk up onto some sort of box or something, etc. So there are ways to do it. So you have all three sheetas. How to make a Kenyan on a behemoth gasa? Do you need Mesira? Do you need Meshicha? Or do you need, or do you need Hagba? 
Another halach. So you have two brothers who are splitting up an estate. Until this point, they were living by the parents' house. And they're living by the father's house. Therefore, all the clothes they're wearing were paid for by the father. And really, that clothing that they're wearing was owned by the father the whole time. Even though the father bought it for them, but it wasn't theirs. It's part of the estate. So, Achen Shechoku, Mashalein Shaman. Any clothing they're wearing or anything that they own is part of the Arusha. And you evaluate. This one got a suit for a thousand shekel. This one got a suit for twelve hundred shekel. And therefore, that becomes part of the Arusha. Mashal Benayim, I'm going to say an But we don't make them bring their... Let's say the father was supporting the children, the grandchildren. We don't make the grandchildren come to Bezdin and try to figure out who had more expensive... Who, you know, who did Zaydi buy a better better birthday present for? That we don't do. And therefore, because it's just... You're not going to bring children to Bezdin. So whatever the grandkids had don't count. But whatever they're wearing does count. However, sometimes, if one of the children was bought or was purchased by the father, a very expensive suit, that does not become part of the Arusha. That's separate. Why? If it's the oldest brother, sometimes you buy him a fancy suit so he can represent the family in business deals. He needs to dress properly. Oh, so then that suit is not considered part of his Yerusha. That suit is considered just part of the expenses of the estate. And therefore, that would not be in the halacha of the Yerusha. Another halacha. Oh. That we've seen before, we'll see it again. So, what if you have I give you something to watch and you give it to somebody else to watch and it gets ruined over there? So, am I responsible? Do we say that automatically the first shamer is responsible because he was negligent by giving it to somebody else? Or do we say no? As long as he gave it to someone who is a responsible person, that's good enough. So, Ulam of Lazar says, Shamer Shamasul, a shamer is putter. As long as whatever happened to it is part of what he would normally, the first Shemr, be putter on, he's going to be putter as well. If the first Shemr was a Shemr, he was not getting paid at all. He's not getting paid. He's not chayavin, gnevin, aved, or anything. And he gave it to a Shemr, Sachar, who was getting paid. So he took out of his own pocket and decided to pay somebody else to watch for him. The Lui Alish, we all say, Lechayra, Taisa says. The Shemr, Sachar, by getting paid, is going to do a better job. Not just because he's chayven more things, just because by nature of getting paid, he's going to be more vigilant and make sure he's doing a better job than in that case. We're going to say that Shemr Shemosel Shemr is potter. Elafilu Shemr Sacher Shemosel Shemachina. If you have a Shemr Sacher, I'm paying you to watch it. And you just give it to somebody else and say, do me a favor and watch it without paying the second guy. The second guy is not going to do his good job. He's not getting paid. So in that case, maybe you would say that automatically the Shem Yisachar is Chayiv, Nami Potter. Why? Shem Yisachar Ulam Blazer says, as long as you give it to someone who's responsible, you've done a good enough job of Shvir. Obviously, you're Chayiv on what you're normally Chayiv on. But as long as giving it to a second party does not automatically make you Chayiv. That's Ulam Blazer. Rav Amar, no. Shem Yisachar is Chayiv. He argues, why? He says, If I was paying you, and you were going to do a really good job because you're getting paid, and you gave it to somebody else who was not getting paid, for sure, the head rubber then says, you're going to be chayv There you degraded the shmir on some level. So for sure you're going to be chayv, says Rava. Even if 
you were doing it for free, and then you hired someone to watch it. So the you're making a better shmira. Still, Rava says chayiv. The Amarlei, the Gemara says the Svara at behemensli b'shvua. Highlight behemensli b'shvua. Remember, when you give something to a shimer, and something happens to it, then we have a whole fight. Whose responsibility is it? One of the things the shimer is going to have to do is swear that it wasn't stolen from him, that something didn't happen, etc. So when I pick a shimer to come watch something for me, it's only someone I trust with a shvua. If I don't trust you with a shvua, I'm never going to have you be a shimer. So I trusted Ruvay. Ruvay now goes and gives it to Shimon. Maybe Shimon is the best Shimon in the world. But I don't trust Shimon Shua. So I never let him go give it to Shimon. And therefore it says, Rav, Shemin is always going to be Chai. The Gemara sometimes is a slightly different far Tyson points out. Sometimes the Gemara says, It has nothing to do with trust. It has to do with, I gave it to you. I never said, you can give it to him. And Tyson, there would be an Afkamina in a situation where, let's say, uh, I implicitly trust Shimon. Everybody knows I trust Shimon. I've been in business deals with Shimon before and Shimon has been trustworthy to me, in which case maybe this Argomar Svar would not necessarily apply. But anyone Sonny Shepik Dani Ben still maybe the S apply. So the Gemara uses different Svars in different places. So he says they both can be true depending on the situation. Now Ulam or Belazer says another Allah which opens up a whole Pandora's box. We know that halacha is that normally speaking, when you're collecting from lekuchais, when you're collecting from someone who's Ruven borrowed money from me, and Ruven doesn't have the money now, so I go to collect from Ruven's lekuchais, someone that Ruven sold a field to, or I can go to Ruven's yisaimim and collect from them as well. Normally, we say in those cases you collect only from karka. I can only collect from the fields that Ruven sold. That's normally the halacha. There's a halacha in many places in Shas we see avodim harayhein kikarka. And for many da'araisa halachas, the Torah treats an evid very much like karka. We know the halacha is enish boy in halakha kosh, and I'll make a shvua when it comes to like murder of a mixas by karka. The halacha is also enish boy in avadim. If you have a similar fight between people by avadim, you don't make a shvua in avadim. One example. We say ain't I know by karkois, the other thing is overcharging by fields. There's also ain't I know by avadim, the other thing is overcharging by evid. So for many halachas, the Torah treats an evid like karka. It's a of type of possession that the person owns. What about when it comes to collecting a loan? When it comes to collecting a loan that we say you can collect karka, does that also apply to avodim as well? So says the Gemara, Amrulam Malasar, avodim. You can collect from avodim. Now it wasn't clear exactly what is the context of his statement over here. Some of Nachman Ulas, Rav Nachman said to, here we have a discussion now about this halacha. Amr Malazar, feel me, Yasmi, does that mean even from Yusayim, normally from Yusayim, you only collect from Karka, not from Metaltolin. So does that apply to you? You can collect from the Avadim that they got Yerusha from the Father as well. So Ula said, no, 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 not aspect Avadim, and not like Karka. I didn't mean it for that. So what did you mean? He said, Mine. I meant that you collect from the Balchayim himself. So Mine. Then you could take his shirt off his back. It doesn't really mean the shirt off his back because you cannot take his shirt off his back. But it means you could take anything. We said, If you owe me money, I could take anything. Of course I could take your avodim. What would be the chiddish that I could take your avodim? No. The chiddish is not that you're taking from him. Of course, from the balchayv himself, you could take anything you want. The chiddish is you're taking it from his lakucha, someone he sold it to. Oh, someone he sold it to, if I could take from that someone he sold it to, Karka, and I, therefore, you tell me Avadim is like Karka, so the same thing should be by Yisraelim as well. So we say no. He says, Ula, we're talking about a case we made in Apoitiki. Apoitiki means that, like a mashkin. Normally, if I take a mashkin, it means I take a certain chayfel, I lend you money, and I take something from you, and I keep that by me until you pay me back. Apoitiki means, not that I take the object, but I announce, and usually you write it in the star, that if you cannot pay me back, 
I will be able to take this specific object of yours. So if you do that, apotehekoi, it's a retreat of apotehekoi, that this loan should be on this particular object. If you do that on an eved, it works. If you do, and you can collect from the lukuchas. If you do it on a non-eved, a shar, it doesn't work. Why? The more explains. You can collect from the Lukuchas. If it's any other When you sell an Evid, everybody knows. knows. The whole idea is, when someone buys something from someone, he needs to be able to check, is there a lien on this Chayfetz? So by character, he knows to check. And he knows that there would be a lien over there. By if you make an apotiki on an evid, people will also know about that. If they buy your evid, they do it at their own risk. Whereas on a shore, nobody would know. You can't track which shore is which and what's going on. Therefore, you cannot collect the shore. So says Ula now to Rav Nachman that this halacha that I said b'shem Belazar, that you could collect from an evid is a only from the kuchais, not from Yisraelim according to Rashi, and only if you made an apotiki. The Basar did Afek after if Nachman left the base Medrish, Amar Luhu Ula Ula said to the people of the base Medrish, Hachem of Lazar, feel me, ask me. No, you should know. I didn't want to start up with Rav Nachman because I know Rav Nachman argues on this point. Uh, Rav Lazar's point was not at all what I just said. Rav Lazar holds an Evid has a din like Karka to collect from the Kuchais, to collect from Yisaymim, without saying Apoy Tiki. Stop! Just like Karka, you can collect from Yisaymim, and Karka, you can collect from the Kuchais. Ula says, Rabbi Lazar really holds that that applies by an Evid as well. And that, but I don't want to say it to Rav Nachman. I'm Rav Nachman, Ishtamite Ula. Rav Nachman said, what's this business? Ula's afraid of me. Well, tell me the truth. And he didn't tell him the truth. And therefore, we have now a fundamental machlekes here to Rav Nachman against Ula and Rav Lazar. Rav Nachman says, an Evid has a din like metalflood. Maybe if you make an apaitiki, maybe you could collect from the kuchais. But it's not of a din of karka to collect from your simon. And Ulur Molazah says, no, and evidence is in like Karka. Again, everybody agrees by Shvua and I know it's in like Karka. That's no question. The question is, how does that apply to a Balchayv? Maybe because it's the Rabbanan Taisa says, or maybe because over here it depends on the Das of the people borrowing and lending the money where, they're, where, they're, where the Shiba would be. But we have a Machlaikis, whether it evidence is in like Karka or evidence is in like Metalton. We'll see more about that in Mitzvah Shem tomorrow.